We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an offseason this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And welcome into the Kevin Stefanski Show live from Razzles in Olmstead Falls, all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura and the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion Gerard Cherry with you for the next hour. Coming up on the show, we will hear from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, as well as long snapper Charlie Hewlett. He is on site here at Razzles. We got Bud Light specials all night long as they're sponsoring our trip out here to the great Razzles, the fun place. All right, Gerard, earlier today we found out that the Cleveland Browns will be playing in Detroit. This was a game originally scheduled to be in Buffalo. We know that there is a massive snow event happening happening in Buffalo up to six feet. The NFL today making the decision that the game will move to Ford Field in Detroit. Now, Josh Allen, 4-0 inside of a dome, 77% completion, 286 yards a game, two and a half touchdowns a game, and a quarterback rating of 118, 4-0 indoors. But this is a better environment, maybe not better for the Browns, but let me ask you as a player, you're expecting to have a home game. You're expecting to sleep in your in your own bed for the majority of the week before you go to the team hotel the night before the game. You have your routine for a home game. All of a sudden, you're going to Detroit. You'll play in Detroit again on Thursday. Does this have any psychological impact at all on the Buffalo Bills? Not at all because you're used to traveling. You're used to moving around. And the reason why it doesn't even have any psychological changes for you is because of the simple fact you're going to be in pristine conditions. You are preparing yourself to be in hardened weather in which it was going to be inclement and you don't know what you're dealing with. Now you're in a situation where it's controlled temperature. It's going to be 72 to 70 degrees or 70 to 72. So that's perfect conditions. So with that in mind, your job just got easier. And considering all the issues that the Detroit Lions, excuse me, the Buffalo Bills are having with injuries and guys being sick and just being beat up, this is a a break for them. It's almost like a vacation when you go into these type of conditions. Because generally speaking, when you're in a cold weather climate and you play on that type of a squad, you're mentally preparing yourself to deal with the weather. And it is much easier. Trust me. Much easier and much more convenient to be in a situation where it's an indoor stadium as opposed to playing outside. So if anything, Nathan, they got a break. I think they did as well because they are a passing football team, and it is difficult to pass in inclement weather. It is very easy to pass inside of the domes. The one thing that we could see is I don't know when they're coming out of there, if that affects their routine at all, depending on when they travel. But obviously I think if you're a Bills fan, this is probably very good news. You're sad you can't go to the game and see them in person, but 
from a team standpoint in a game where, look, the 6-3 and three Bills want to get a W. They're coming off of back-to-back losses right. to the Jets and to the Minnesota Vikings, both by three points. They want to get a win. They want to keep pace in what is now an electric AFC East. And for the Browns, you know, you were kind of hoping it could get mucked up and that you'd be able to run the ball with Nick Chubb against a run defense that, due to those injuries, has struggled the last three weeks of the Buffalo Bills. But now you're going to be in a dome on a fast track, and certainly it favors Bills. The total in this game, the over-under jumped about a touchdown. The Bills, they were eight-point favorites, now nine-and-a-half, so that expanded as well. One quick note for everybody out there who are trying to get to this game. Bills season ticket members will have their accounts automatically credited for the Browns game uh, as an account credit. Single tickets for the this is for the Bills side of things. Uh, purchase through the Bills ticket office. They're going to get their payment back on Ticketmaster. So they're going to be refunding uh, all of the people in Buffalo to get them to this game. And for the Browns fans, you know, we'll have information readily available at ClevelandBrowns.com, the Browns mobile app, on how you can get to Detroit to go and see this game, which is certainly a much easier drive now than it would have been heading out to Buffalo. Some injury updates for you from today's practice for the Browns. Good news, David Njoku back at practice in a limited fashion, but that is a very good sign. Able to put in a limited practice on a Thursday. I would say he is trending to play in this game. JOK, a full participant in practice for each of the last two days. Wyatt Teller, a full participant, which means he's getting back to 100% and clearly was not down in Miami. For the Bills, Josh Allen limited with his right elbow, but he's playing. This is the big one, though. Middle linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, who has four straight seasons with more than 100 tackles and is the leading tackler on this football team. He's a stud. Pro Football Focus is number two linebacker, their number one coverage linebacker. He left last week with a heel and groin injury. He DNP'd again today, did not practice, second straight day, along with Greg Russo, who did not play last week due to an ankle injury. He's second on their team with five sacks, their first-round pick back in 2021. So some big injuries for them there. We still know Micah Hyde's out for the year. Will Tredavious White make his debut? We haven't seen him in 2022. Jordan Poyer has only played in five games. Still has four picks, more than our whole team. Still has four picks, but will he play? So they are a little bit banged up there for the Browns, certainly on the defensive side, Gerard. Certainly, but here's the thing. When you go from that cold weather game that you're anticipating and expecting to play, and all of a sudden you find yourself in in a dome, it does different things to your body. Because when you're playing in the cold, one, it hurts to play in the cold, and that's the mental toughness part that has to kick in. Now you alleviate that. So guys who were maybe on the fence about playing, because when you're in that type of a weather change of 30-something, 20 sure. below, the next thing you know, you're like, I can't go out there and that. My body won't respond or react. But when you're now in 70 to 72, guess what? I feel warmer, I feel loose, and the things that were tight are definitely going to loosen up, so it gives you the chance to say, you know what, I feel like I'm in a state to where I can go play. So for those guys that are on the fence, I'm willing to bet you that now they're saying, yeah, I could go. I could definitely go out there and do this because the conditions have changed. They have, and let's start with this Buffalo Bills defense. They are very good. Number eight total defense, number two scoring defense, number seven against the run, although we'll talk about the tale of two seasons there, number seven in sacks, third most takeaways. They tied for the league lead with 13 interceptions already, Gerard. Les Frazier. Third in the red zone and yards from play there. Eighth. You mentioned Leslie Frazier, their great defensive coordinator. This is a team that can rush the quarterback up front, led by Von Miller, who's got eight sacks so far this season, sixth in the NFL. They've got great linebackers. We'll see about Edmonds, but Matt Milano is one of the best cover linebackers in the league so far. Already two interceptions this season. And then on the back end, 
not a lot of names you know, but they are playing very, very well, and they have done a great job, hence the 13 interceptions. They have four guys with two or more. Leslie Frazier defense, what does that mean to you? It seems like they play nickel exclusively. They are the highest sub-package team in the league, 98%. They don't necessarily load the box. They kind of dare you to run it. But they're darn effective. Well, considering that I played at a Leslie Frazier where he was my secondary coach, Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator at the time when I was with the Eagles, much hasn't deviated from that. It's always been an opportunistic defense in which you're trying to force turnovers, get after the quarterback, and making sure that your secondary is making plays. And correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan, is that a current still taking place? It most certainly is. They're and taking the football away at a high rate. And they do a phenomenal job of just making sure that all three levels of the defense has guys that can make plays, and you just named it out there. Everyone on that defense is capable of making a big play and has made a big play. So what they want to do is put pressure con- constantly and relentlessly on you, and they do a great job of that. So if you think in this game you're going to get a break or some type of respite, not the case. Their whole idea is about from Jim Johnson's philosophy if he is to what? Put pressure on you. I'm going to bring a cornerback at times. I'm going to bring a safety at times. I'm going to bring a linebacker. And I'm going to damn sure make sure that my pass rush can get to you in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Well, that's the problem is that, you know, they don't have to blitz much right now on pass plays. 15% last in the league. So when they do bring it, they get there. But why? They can get home with four. Miller's got eight sacks. Rousseau's got five sacks. AG, AJ Apensa has got three and a half. Boogie Basham's got two. They have three more guys with one and a half. They have 27 sacks on the season in nine games that's three a game and so when you can generate pressure with four right and it allows you to put seven in coverage and you know one of the things they do so well is disguise their coverage they're about 50 50 middle of the field closed middle of the field open but they disguise it very well post snap pre-snap post snap sometimes they'll show two drop one in they'll show single high drop them out and and so it's a tough thing for a quarterback to deal with oh it certainly is and the interesting thing about it was the sean mcdermott when i was with the eagles nathan he was the quality control guy it's for wild. the defense. And now he finds himself being a very successful head coach, and he's teamed up with Leslie Frazier, and they're doing one heck of a job with their defense. But that's on the defensive side of the ball because, obviously, that carries a lot of weight. And for us, from a matchup standpoint, it really is a situation where, Nathan, they saw what they saw on tape against the Dolphins. And best believe they're going to probably more than likely emulate some aspects of it because I have never seen our offensive line get that dominated before. Now, granted, it's a situation where the Dolphins were going on by bye week, so you probably got more out of them than you might normally get from an intensity standpoint because they knew they could sell out because they didn't have to leave anything in the tank. But you're going to get two-gap technique against the run because it was so effective. But far as slowing down Nick Chubb and the interior of defense and letting those guys on the outside run. So don't be surprised if you see the same thing that the Dolphins employed that had so much success be used again this week with the, with the Bills playing in Detroit. Yeah, and we'll see. The front's a little bit different with these two teams mm-hmm. and how they'll employ them, but they've got, you mentioned, you want some beef in the middle. Uh, Daquan Jones, 320. Tim Settle, 313. Big Jordan Phillips, 341. And that's a difference that we've seen. Other teams' interior defensive linemen and ours. Ours are significantly lighter. We top out at about 300 pounds, and that's become a problem for us. Now, this is a team, we've said this before, though, this is a team that doesn't run it well. They don't run it often. But we've seen that. We saw that with the Chargers, and Austin Eckler ran for 1,000 yards against us. We saw it last week, a team that throws it. They bring Jeff Wilson, and obviously they ran all over us. We have got to get better there. But defensively, they've got the beef up front, as you mentioned. They make it tough on quarterbacks. Let's flip it to that offense now, though, because they probably are going to throw it, but they're going to mix in the run with Devin Singletary as well. Oh, you got it. You, 
it's there for the taking. And here's the thing as a defensive player. Yes, when you pass a football, you get explosive and make it out of reach, and then you can – the goal is to do what? Create a scenario to where if I have explosive plays, I put you now in a spot to where from a defensive standpoint it makes their job easier because now you have to do what? Pass and more than likely get back in the football game. That's yep. the game plan that most teams will employ. With that being said, though, what you saw last week is that, yeah, you can jab, jab, jab in the first quarter, keep it even, then all of a sudden wear a team down via the run, and that's more – debilitating that's more damaging and that hurts your psyche more when you're getting run upon as opposed to being passed and at some point no doubt once you get that yards and you feel the impact of being ran on you have nothing left in the fourth quarter and then it's just basically a case of whose will is stronger and what we've seen on multiple occasions is that our will simply has not been there no it hasn't been good enough certainly as we know the browns going to this one on defense 31st in scoring defense. That's not good when you're going against the number two scoring offense. It's Whoa. probably pretty good. Bills, number two in scoring offense, number two in scoring defense. They are the number one total offense, second in passing, first on third downs, fifth on big plays, first in yards per play. Their Achilles heel, though, turnovers. Yes. That is where they've been. They've turned the ball over more than any team in the league so far this season. Josh Allen, 10 interceptions on the year. He has thrown six in the last three games, two apiece, but still, we're talking about 65% completions, 2,800 yards, third in the league, 20 touchdowns, second, eight yards per attempt, the 10 picks, and then he can run it 476 yards rushing, seven yards a carry, and four touchdowns. He's their leading rusher. He is obviously their leading passer. He has accounted for 3,000 209 yards of offense this year, most of anybody in the league, and the third most in NFL history through nine games. Right, and as you see, it's taking its toll on his body because he's once again going through a situation where he's not practicing because of all that production that you heard right there. And Josh Allen is a phenomenal football player, but he also has this trait, and Bill Belichick called it with Ben Roethlisberger, very similar in this regard. And Brett Favre also had this problem as well in that every football game that you watch these guys play in which they're throwing a the football a lot they are going to give you two to three chances to intercept the football based upon too much hubris too much confidence in and the idea are. that they can fit the yep. ball in any situation no matter what and it costs them dearly and it has definitely been costing the bills because that game they lost last week to the vikings was truly due to the fact that he was doing too many bad things at the wrong time now the fumble can't explain that one. Don't sure. understand what took place with that. But the interceptions that he threw, that was simply saying, I can get it in there. I can force it. And obviously, you want a guy to have his, have confidence, but he's going to give you those opportunities. So for our defense, when we get those chances in which he's going to give you, mark my words, Nathan, when, he, when you see it, you'll be like, Gerard told me, two to three chances. You're going to see it. There's no doubt, and you got to take advantage of him, as you said. Six in the last three weeks, four games with two interceptions this season, most in the NFL. And here's the thing that's wild. Three of these interceptions have come in the red zone, and that's where you can turn a scoring drive into a big momentum swing for your team. In the first 67 games of Josh Allen's career in the red zone, 79 touchdowns, two interceptions. In the last three games, two touchdowns, three interceptions. So right now he's not seen in the red zone. The Browns need to be able to take advantage of that because he can throw it deep. Stephon Diggs, we didn't even get a chance to talk about him playing at an elite, elite level. Yes. Gabe Davis averaging over 20 yards a catch as well. This is a great offense, and we will talk about Stephon Diggs right now. 72 catches, 985 yards, and seven touchdowns. It's week nine. Guys are putting those. That's a great full season. season. Right. That used to be a season. And he's third in the league in receiving. A guy who led the league a couple of years ago. Just an unreal route runner, Gerard. Yeah, exactly. And what impresses you about it, Nathan, is that 
he plays with the intensity of a defensive player and how he goes about playing offense. Because normally you think of wide receiver guys, definitely they have that diva element about them. But he has an element of toughness that you appreciate because oh, yeah. he's going to get in your face. He's going to challenge you. And he's going to talk what we call cash you know what to you. So you better bring more than your A game when you play against this guy because he's going to have the intensity to bring to the table with the idea that, hey, I'm trying to embarrass you. And you've got to be ready. He is going to get the ball. He's averaging 11 targets a game this year, eight catches a game, both second in the league. He's got 100 yards in four of the last five. But then they also have Gabe Davis. Yes. And Gabe Davis is the guy that in some ways is kind of the linchpin. Diggs is the constant throughout all four quarters. Gabe Davis averaging 23 yards a catch. That leads the NFL amongst the top 30 receivers in the league. He only has 24 catches. They've gone for 544 yards, five touchdowns. What's crazy is in the four games in which he's caught a touchdown, 16 catches, 426 yards, five touchdowns. Four games without a touchdown, eight catches, 118, and no touchdowns under 40 yards every game. He is big, 6'2", 225. He can run, and he is a feast or famine, big play wide receiver. Exactly, and he's the guy that goes under the radar, but when you turn on the film, you certainly see his exploits and his ability to make big plays. Think about the first game of the season. You would have walked away like, Gabe Davis is about to have an MVP year. Now, granted, yep. they got back to Diggs being the focal point of their wide receiver and vertical passing attack but at the same time davis brings that element to where you better have a one a and a one b cornerback situation because if you don't as you just described feast or famine and in situations like that nathan what we have to do with both these guys it can't be this what we saw last week in my opinion and what i felt we did last week was took the approach of we're worried about these guys running by us you have to be aggressive with these guys you have to take the mentality that I am going to bump and run you, and I'm going to physically punish you and make it a battle of who wants it more from a physical standpoint. And, yes, I can run and you can run, but let's make it physical at the line of scrimmage. And when you tackle them, you're body slamming them. You're making it a very physical and tough game and make them think and earn every time they catch the football with the understanding that, hey, I'm getting after you. But if you go with that, we're going to be soft. We're going to bail. We're going to play off men. They're going to eat you alive. Let me ask you this, because one thing in kind of watching this team that, that has stood out to me that is so different from Miami, but so similar to a team that we actually play very well against, which is Cincinnati. Miami, all the motion pre-snap. They lead the league in pre-snap motion. They get that wheel motion going, which is Smart. almost feels unfair with mm-hmm. the speed of Tyree right. Kill and Waddle. They run all the RPOs, and their play action, it's like one of the highest rates of play action, one of the highest rates and the highest rates of motion league. The Bills are much more like the Bengals. Very little motion, pre-snap, in shotgun, very little play action, traditional play action. There are some RPOs, obviously, but for the most part, they're a drop-back passing team. Those are the kind of teams, traditionally, we have done well against under Joe Woods. What does that, how, why does that help a defensive back when a team lines up, here's what we're doing, and they're just drop-back passing as opposed to all that motion pre-snap and everything that was going on with Miami? Well, a couple of things in regards to Miami. It's almost like you're playing a Canadian football league yes. team when you get that dynamic working for you where they're running. And then when you have a situation where it's stationary, you as a DB, you have your plans as well. Okay, I'm inside leverage. He's lined up right here. I'm going to take this away, or I'm going to be on outside leverage. If he gives me this move, I'm going to anticipate this. You can do all that thinking when it's stationary, but when the guy's on the flying on the move, now you're like, okay, how do I adjust, how I adapt? Okay, how does this impact the guy next to me? Where do I have to have my fit down from the run? All those things have to start circulating your mind, and that's what makes it much more challenging. But ultimately, here's the thing. If you don't get a pass rush, Nathan, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. And we had a situation last week where guys were truly getting blocked one-on-one. 
Yeah, they were, and part of it is that they were waiting on the RPO action, couldn't necessarily pin their ears back. This, I think, we'll have an opportunity to pin our ears back significantly more, and hopefully Miles and Clowney can get after Josh Allen and try to disrupt him. We are live at Razzles right now, but fans, mark your calendars for face-off on the lake presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February the 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines at First Energy. For a limited time, purchase four tickets for $50 in the mezzanine level. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050, and we'll be more effective in getting you tickets than Ticketmaster is with Taylor Swift right now. <laughs> up next, we hear from the head coach of our Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, coming up next live from Razzles on the Kevin Stefanski Show here on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show live at Razzles and all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network welcoming in the head coach of your Cleveland Browns now, Kevin Stefanski. And coach, look, didn't go the way we wanted down in Miami uh, at all. What do you take away from that, if anything, or is it simply uh, this didn't wasn't our day, flush it, let's get ready for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, you have to, the NFL requires you to move on very quickly because you got another one you know in that locker room after that game you got to be ready to move on having said that you can't just you know say hey we would have could have should have we got to look at it and see what you can do differently because you got to use those things moving forward so it's a little bit of both Uh, I just think with the team uh, so often you just got to be real honest and transparent uh, about the tape and what's on there and then make a concerted effort to make corrections and 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 put forth that effort that's going to get you a W. And, and there's just too many things in that game, obviously, uh, that we didn't do well enough, didn't take the ball away. We, we put the ball on the ground, uh, which was uncharacteristic uh, for our running back position, um, and then ultimately didn't score enough and didn't stop them. So uh, not a good day at the office, but you have to learn from it, and then you do have to move on. Line of scrimmage, that is always a point of emphasis for us, controlling line of scrimmage. In that game, we did not on either side of the ball. How do you kind of address that as you get ready for a team that, look, traditionally doesn't run it, but we've faced some teams that traditionally haven't run it, and they've had success. How do you get that fixed in a week? Yeah, I think it goes back, always goes back to fundamentals and technique. It really does. And, uh, you know, you do have to tip your cap to Miami down there, their defensive line, their offensive line, some of the things they did. Uh, They did a nice job. We didn't uh, ultimately have the success that we're used to um so you got to look at it definitely from a schematic lens and figure out if there's things we can do better and things we can do differently uh but then at the end of the day what you do when you get back uh to practice is you work on fundamentals and techniques that's the game doesn't change from that regard you you really do hone in on on little things your foot placement your hand placement uh, all those things that allow you to play good offense and defense all right say with our defense their offense they are the number one total offense in the NFL, the number two scoring offense in the NFL, first on third downs, first in yards per play, number two passing. They're good. Josh Allen is as good as it gets at that position in the NFL. They are, however, much different than Miami. I'd say maybe even more similar to Cincinnati, a team we've had success against. Shotgun, drop back, not a whole lot of pre-snap motion. 
What do you see from this team on tape? Well, every week it's such a unique challenge, like you just mentioned. I mean, this scheme is so different than the scheme we previously played. But uh, they got great players, and it starts with the trigger man. You know, he's a vast, vast majority of their offense just runs through him. Obviously, the pass game, but quarterback design runs, the RPO game, and then the off schedule game. That that's a a very, very difficult thing to defend when the play goes on and on and on, and, and you. It's a hard thing to get him on the ground, as you see. He's a big, big player. He's athletic. So it's just a unique challenge uh, when you're defending him, and then not to mention some of the weapons that they have on the perimeter. So I think part of it goes back to giving the guys a plan that that we can go execute, we can go play fast, we can utilize our strengths versus their strengths is really what it comes down to. How much did what Miami do with a lot of those motions and that kind of quick RPO game, that wheel motion, did that hinder our ability to get after the quarterback relative to a team that just – drops back per se and throws the football yeah I think it really comes down to timing you know in, in some of those like you mentioned the quick motion RPOs the ball's coming out quickly when you drop back and you're in a five-step and seven-step game the, you're going to hold on the ball a little bit longer so it really uh, varies by play type and what the team is trying to do are they trying to run an RPO run a quick game where the ball is going to come out are they trying to hold the ball let the receivers get downfield and develop and it's really it does it can change playing and play out from from this team uh, and then it can also change week to week all right you mentioned Allen, 3029 yards of total offense just from him alone that leads the nfl but you mentioned they've got talent stefan diggs third in the nfl right now uh, with 72 catches 985 yards seven touchdowns you obviously quite familiar with him when I watch him, it's the nuance of his routes that seem to make him so effective. There was one route last week against Pat Pete where in three steps he had a corner, made it look like he was actually breaking it back inside the post, and then came back and created about 10 yards of separation. He's fun to watch. What makes him so good? He is fun to watch. You know, when you're on the other side of it, he's not, not so as fun. fun to watch. Sure. You know, I've been able to watch him over his career. Well, you know, was there when we drafted him, I believe, in the fifth round. Uh, saw him burst onto the scene once he got his opportunity. Um, amazing, uh, amazing person, great person, but incredible competitor. I mean, when the ball is in the air, he's going to find a way to get it. And he's not six foot five. Uh, he just yeah. he tracks the ball really well down the field. He's extremely sudden in his movements. You mentioned in his pass route running, he can stick his right foot in the ground, left foot in the ground, and really explode out of that. So uh, a complete wide receiver. Uh, he's getting a huge amount of volume up there, uh, as you see on tape, as you, as you watch these guys play. So uh, a very, very big challenge for our football team. He's getting 11 targets a game, second in the league, eight catches, 109 yards, and nearly a touchdown per game. They also have Gabe Davis, kind of feast or famine, but when he hits, it is big. You know, he's averaging in the games where he catches a bomb, 26.7 yards a catch, five touchdowns on the season. Kind of a nice compliment to Stephon Diggs. Yeah, big, big player. I mean, down the field, a physical football player uh, that you come up across. And we've played a few guys who are like this, that ball's in the air and they are physically going to try and go win that one-on-one matchup. So he is a big play uh, receiver for them and somebody we have to be very aware of. They haven't run the ball a lot. They tried to a little bit last week against the Vikings. Devin Singletary got his first two rushing touchdowns of the season. How do you kind of balance with, you know, what we put on tape? recently against the run versus a team that 
traditionally has not run the football much. I think ultimately it comes down to playing sound defense. Uh, you can't say, hey, I'm going to take away just one thing. Yep. You also can't say, hey, I'm going to take away everything. So for us, it becomes playing sound defense, whether it's man, whether it's zone, whether it's pressure, whether it's playing coverage. Uh, ultimately, in, when you're talking about run game, you have your run gap fits. You have run responsibility. You have the responsibility to shed blocks, You know, deliver a blow to a block, shed a block, and make a tackle. So uh, it comes back to sound defense. Is it a challenge? It is, and, and this is a, a unique one and, and, a, and a great one for our defense. But uh, as long as we're playing sound defense, we can match up. Yeah, we've seen it against the Ravens. We've seen it against the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's flip now to our offense here. What do you want to see this football team do better this week relative to down in Miami? you got to score. you got to score points. And we didn't do that. We stubbed our toe uh, down there on drives two, three, and four. I think we went uh, 12 plays and fumbled on the second drive, went nine plays, turnover on downs on the third drive, and then in the fourth drive in a kind of two-minute trying to go get points before the half, we go four plays and punt. Versus good football teams, and, and you're playing one this week as well. Uh, feels like you're playing one every week, but versus good football teams, you got to maximize your opportunities, especially early in a football game, because as we've seen, these games can turn. Uh, they've turned for us uh, in, in positive fashion. Uh, you never know what play it's going to be, but if, you, if you're good early, if you're efficient early, uh, you're giving yourself a chance. Yeah, and you want to stay close to this team. Now, this is a very good defense, despite the fact that they have been without key members of their secondary. Tredavious White has not played yet this year. Perhaps he makes his debut this week. Jordan Poyer's missed time. Micah Hyde's been out basically the entire season. This is a team, though, that still has 13 interceptions tied for the most in the league. Four players with two or more. Poyer had four and five games, for crying out loud. Their linebackers, Matt Milano, Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds, can both cover. When you look at the back end and say, okay, this is a lot of no-names out there, how are they so effective still against the pass? Yeah, well, great pass rush. So the ball is has to come out, and if you're holding the ball, you're letting this uh, pass rush affect you. So it, it's the classic rush and coverage go together. Yep. And when you can really affect the quarterback, get the ball out, you can get tip balls, you can play visual on the quarterback. They play a good, a decent amount of zone, obviously some man as well, but they're visual on the quarterback and, and getting balls. And they have great ball skills in, in that secondary, just naming some of their guys when they've shown over the course of time to have really good ball skills. So they are unique. We get feels like we get a unique team every week. Defensively unique. They play exclusively sub. They're a nickel, ninety five point six percent most in the league. Dime two point two percent, but added up, it's basically ninety nine percent. They are in sub. They use light boxes a lot. And while the last three weeks teams have run the ball on them, the first six nobody did, despite that fact. What do you see from this team? They're not going to blitz a ton. They're going to mix their coverages and you know, kind of even split of middle field close, more middle field open than close, but they split it up. But you know who's going to be on the field from that personnel standpoint. Yeah, they're just, I think they're just getting their best 11 on the field. I mean, number seven's an outstanding player as a nickel. He, he yep. can really fit the run, great in coverage. They, they play him as a nickel. He can rotate back to play a half-field safety, so he's got versatility. He really fits their scheme really well. So I think that's why they leave Nick on the field is he, he's a really good player. Um, so whether you say he's playing a base linebacker or playing a DB, it, it really doesn't matter. they got a good football player on the field. And then it's a versatile attack, like you mentioned. I mean, it's, it's about a 50-50 open versus closed uh, type of thing. And then they do a great job in disguise. So uh -huh. they're oftentimes showing you too high, they're going to roll down. They're showing you one high, they're going to roll back. Sometimes they just play it. So they're trying to keep you off balance, blitz just in, just enough, you know, just blitz whatever the percentage is a few times to make sure that to keep you honest. Uh, but going back to that sound term, it's a sound defense. They, they 
sometimes they're, they're at times going to try and disguise, but other times they're trying they're playing their defense and they're going to say that they're going to play uh, better than you are. Is it wild going from a team that put eight in the box as much as anybody last week in the Dolphins to a team that has the lightest box, the highest percentage of light boxes, 76% of any team since 2016? And that certainly affects what we want to do. Nick Chubb, the best light box runner in the league. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting because that's what you get in these games, and teams oftentimes play us a little bit differently than they sure. played you know, previously what they put on tape. And I think that speaks to you know some of the things we do are, are unique. Uh, so I know they're in their meeting rooms talking about, all right, we got to do X, Y, and Z, and here's how we have to do it. And that may not be the same game plan versus the team that they've played previously. So for us, you have your rules, you have how you think the game's going to go, and you have certainly put a game plan together versus what you think they may do. But as always, uh, how they see us might be different. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck on Sunday against the Bills. And we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show live at Razzles on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show, coming to you live from Razzles in Olmstead Falls, the fun place. That's right, brought to you by Bud Light tonight. Nathan's Gura, Gerard Cherry, but want to remind you, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Very happy now to be joined by Browns long snapper Charlie Hewlett. Been with the Browns for eight seasons and four more, they say, four more years. He signed a contract extension a couple of weeks ago. to keep you with the Browns through 2026, so congratulations on that. I know that that has to be very exciting for you and for your family. And what I'm truly curious about, though, is I imagine there's a long snapper fraternity. There are only 32 of you. Like, is there, were, were there, is there like a long snapper group text? We're like, dude, like, are people fired up for you in the, in the long snapper community? There were definitely a few text messages from some, from some fellow snappers. Um, but it's mostly just, you know, congrats on the field and stuff like that when they heard about it. But I got a few texts from about four or five guys. Yeah, you're like a poster child for them now. They're like, look, we can do this. We want to be Charlie Hewlett. <laughs> Something to aspire to. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Absolutely. And Charlie, I always was fascinated with the kickers and the long snappers because – I always felt you guys have, like, dual lives taking place on the course of the season. Like, when guys are outside, you may go inside and work on your golf game, look at your stock market. <laughs> and I always found, too, Nathan, that the best guys, if you want a stock advice, were either the long snapper or the punter or the kicker. Does that still hold true to this very day? I would say uh, yes in some ways. In, in some other ways, no. I mean, sometimes we're going inside and we're, we're actually, you know, working on football. Uh-huh. Um, but there's a lot of times we're going in there and – I may, I may check the, the stock ticker every once in a while. So, like, if Hard Knocks had to do it over again, should they have had you in there instead of Carl Nassib for the financial advice? I I definitely think so. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean Carl's, right. Carl's advice was sound, but I, I think I had a few more things in there. You had some more, yeah. some substance. Yeah. More steak, definitely. less sizzle. Definitely. I like that. I like that. So, when you go through, and kind of just to give people an idea, you know, obviously I've seen you sit on the medicine ball, you feed the machine simulating the long snap, but doing it. How many times a week do you think you practice this? How many snaps are you getting? And people don't understand this. You can get the laces exactly where you want them in the rotation, which to me is unbelievable. 
how do you master that? How many reps do you like to get? Um, I would say in a given week. I mean, I'm, I'm usually snapping like like three days a week. It's not as much as you'd think in the season. Um, believe it or not, you, you, do you get tired. You get like tired shoulders and elbows and whatnots. It, it can be. It can wear on your joints a little bit. Sure. Believe it or not, it doesn't sound like it would, but it does. Um, most of my snaps come in the off season. Is where I really kind of build that up. And in training camp, training camp I snap a ton. Uh, once we get into the season, we start to kind of uh, dial it back a little bit and kind of you know make sure you maintain it through the season and also. You know, I'm only snapping when they're kicking, so you don't want to wear yep. their legs out too much, too. So it works Char- for all, all Charlie, when did you realize that you possess a skill set? Because I'm always marvel with you guys in this regard. I've seen guys get college scholarships because it's a skill set that's necessary. And obviously, from a longevity standpoint, you could do this 10, 15, 20 years if you keep yourself in the right shape. Music to his ears. Right, right. No, um, so it was my freshman year of college. I snapped in high school. Um, I walked onto UCF as a tight end, and um, our snapper randomly quit my first, my true freshman year. Um, quit the team, and so we had kind of an open tryout, and I went out for it, and, and ended up getting the job, and they put me on scholarship, and it was, you know, a great thing at the time. But I remember it, the same conversation I had with the head coach about putting me on scholarship. He said, "You're not going to tight end meetings anymore." And I looked at him like, "What do you mean? That's that? What? Like I can play tight end and snap?" And he's like, "No, you're just going to snap." I was like, "Okay, whatever gets me on the field, you know." And like I said, I was happy to have a scholarship, so worked out. Do you remember the name of the long snapper who left? Have you ever sent him a thank you card saying, "No, but I should." <laughs> yeah, I should. Absolutely. If I really Find thought about out. it, I could probably think about it. But Find it out. Yeah. So I mean, I'm curious, and I hate to put you on the spot in case Cole Cole failed us. But did you hear from Cole? The great Cole? I did. Oh, good. He sent me a text. Of course. He what a human. Text. Yeah. And in, in typical Cole fashion, uh, he sent me a text. I sent him a text back, and I didn't yeah. respond. Yeah. That was it. But he gave you the one <laughs> yeah. of, the, of yeah. the well wishes. We'll I'm still waiting on that response. It happens with him. He pops up. He likes to pop up at times. Yeah. I feel like that's how Cole, if you, like you, you, you occupy his headspace for a second, he'll show you some love, and then you're right. You go back, and he's like, I'm on to something else. I'm 100%. living the life. I'm down at the beach right now. Leave me alone. Well, Charlie, congratulations, obviously, on the contract extension. And, you know, you're going to give well, someday, Joel Batonio, you're nipping at his heels, right? Longest tenured Brown. It's, it's in the mix. Chasing him. Chasing, Chasing him down. Yeah. Well, good luck on Sunday. Thanks for spending some time with us and coming out to Razzles tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. All right. We will be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show. Don't forget, uh, if you're at the game, you'd never risk running the concession stand when your team is in the red zone, right? You might miss a score. We'll take an unnecessary risk when your gambling could be even more costly. So know the odds before placing a bet. Get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. We'll be back more of the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot. Today, Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry, this is the Kevin Stefanski Show live from Razzles presented by Bud Light. If you haven't heard, I'm going to tell you now. Due to public safety concerns and out of an abundance of caution, in light of the ongoing weather emergency in western New York, 
Sunday's Cleveland Browns-Buffalo Bills game has been moved to Ford Field in Detroit at 1 p.m. Eastern. The NFL announced earlier today. We've talked about the impact of that, Gerard, and that, you know, now you're in perfect conditions for the Buffalo Bills. A passing football team probably does benefit them on some level. Let's talk for us. Not anything that's going to happen on Sunday, but Deshaun Watson did return to practice for the first time on Wednesday, was getting some reps with this football team. No, Kevin Stefanski would not elaborate on the exact plan, but they're going to start to ramp him up because he will be the starter, regardless of the outcome of the next two games, when the Browns take the field down in Houston. As a teammate, as somebody in the locker room, how would that kind of play out for you? And I know guys are excited to see Deshaun back out there. Well, it's one of those things where you've been anticipating when you have premier quarterback play, you know that's going to help your cause. Yep. And with that in mind, you're anticipating and expecting him to go out there and at first be rusty because, again, you've been away from the game for a couple years now. And when he actually gets on the football field, you're going to be excited. You're going to go back to his former team and play a game. So that should be a really raucous atmosphere yeah. and environment no on Sunday. So that's going to be fun in its own right. But here's the challenge. You have that carrot right there in Deshaun Watson, but – also in front of you right now, you know that you have two football games that you have to win. Yeah. You have to win. Yeah. So you can't get caught up in the idea of, yes, the fanfare of him being back, and you do see that and you're excited about that, but you have to focus on today and right now because if you don't win Sunday, pretty much your playoff hopes are gone. You're right about that. Brown sitting at 3-6, and six, taking on a 6-3 and three Buffalo Bills team that's lost two games by three points in the last two weeks and a team that – a lot of people think are the Super Bowl favorites. In fact, you look at their losses all through the season, 21-19 to the Dolphins, 20-17 to the Jets, 33-30 to in overtime last week to the Minnesota Vikings. So a tough one there. One quick note from around the league, the Eagles have added defensive tackle and Dominican Sue one day after adding Linval Joseph. And I just want to say, why haven't the Browns signed these guys? These guys are veterans who waited all season to pick an opportunity to chase a Super Bowl ring. Exactly. It's not about money. It's about them going after a ring, and the Eagles are in a good position to do that. And unfortunately for the Browns, they currently are not. When we come back, stock up, step up, wrapping things up here from Razzles and Olmstead Falls. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Browns fans, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on game with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win Browns autographed merchandise. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry, the Kevin Stefanski Show, presented by Bud Light at Razzles today, which is always a good time here. Come on out to Razzles, get some Bud Light drink specials. Gerard, all right, time to wrap it up for us just a couple minutes to go. Whose stock is up, if anyone, after what we saw Miami? But whose stock is up headed into this game with the Bills? Well, I got a couple guys I'll nominate, Nathan. Okay. You agree. First, I'm going to go with Diamond Peoples Jones. He's making plays right out the gate, start of the game. Big play. Huge double, agree. Double move. Bam. And then this is might surprise you for the reason I'm going to tell you. Okay. Cade York, not only is he making field goals and extra points, my man went down the field and made a tackle. On the kickoff. Now, that's some dangerous proposition, but I give him props for doing it. 
I will give Cade York props for doing that. I would like him to take a tackling class because that form looked a little dangerous. His head was awful low, and I was concerned that he was going to get up from that tackle. But, yes, he was in there mixing it up. That always gets the guys fired up. And then it's for Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, led the team five catches for 99 yards. He's got 35 receptions already on the season. That's a new career high for him, 516 yards, second on the team. He's had 50 yards in five straight, 70 yards in four straight, and five of the last six. Only Justin Jefferson has more sixty-yard or more uh, seventy-yard games over the last six than Donovan Peoples-Jones. All right, step up, everybody. Well, that, but more in particular because of who you're playing, you have to get there with the four-man pressure against Buffalo. You cannot do what you did last week. It cannot be a situation where single blocking is getting the job done against our front. You can't have that happen because if it does happen. We will get torched. We have absolutely got to get pressure, try to stop Josh Allen in the cozy confines of Ford Field. The game now indoors in Detroit. Want to thank our producer, Meredith Kane, engineer Andy Roth, and executive producer Jason Gibbs on site with us here at Razzles. For Gerard Cherry, I am Nathan Zagura saying thanks for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show. All along the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the... You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.